Hi, it's Bob here. And just before we begin this week's podcast, I'd like to do a kind of a continuity announcement. At Ballymacashan Church, where the weekly catechism class is an essential part of our ongoing Bible teaching program, we will be pausing for a few weeks to concentrate on the death and burial and resurrection of Christ, just over the period that the visible church refers to as Easter. So the catechism class will pause now and it will be back in the last week in April. And meantime, the Acts and Replay sermon series will continue and perhaps we'll even have an episode of The Prism. So thanks for listening. Here we go. Welcome to our weekly catechism class. This is a weekly look at the Heidelberg Catechism to help us to learn Christian doctrine with a warm and a practical application. Every lesson has an accompanying study guide. The web link to find that guide is in the episode notes. Now, let's start the class. So welcome to our catechism class and today we're on Lord's Day 18 for the third time, uh, question 49. We're looking at that section of the catechism which deals with the ascension of Christ. And as we have already seen, that's a very important area of Christian doctrine indeed. We looked firstly at the scripture passages that describe the event itself and we saw the physical nature of Christ's ascension and especially learning that it was both visible and glorious. Then in our last lesson, we looked at the theology of the Ascension, and we learned what Jesus meant when he said that he would be with us always, and yet at the same time that he would go away. And we found that those two statements are entirely compatible, for he has gone from us in his humanity, and it's important that he did that. And yet he is with us in his divinity, for he has fulfilled his promise to send us the Holy Spirit, our Comforter, who is always with us. We looked at some possible difficulties and dangers, and we thought about the unity of the divine and human natures in Christ, noting that even though Christ's humanity is in heaven, his divine nature is with us, and yet at the same time perfectly in heaven, in complete unity with his resurrected body, as explained in question 48. Now, we come to the application of the ascension. What benefits accrue to us because of the ascension of Christ? And in question 49, we find that there are three of them. Question 49 asks, how does Christ's ascension into heaven benefit us? And the answer is, first, he is our advocate in heaven before the Father. Second, we have our flesh in heaven as a sure pledge that he, our head, will also take us, his members, up to himself. Third, he sends us his Spirit as a counter pledge by whose power we seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and not the things that are on earth. I'm Bob McAvoy, 
and you're listening to the Semper Reformata Podcast. So how does the ascension of Jesus into heaven benefit the Christian believer? Well, firstly, the Catechist teaches us that he is our advocate. Question says, or the answer to the question says, first he is our advocate in heaven before his Father. Do you know, it's really good to pray for one another, isn't it? And sometimes it's even good to ask other people to pray for us and with us. Perhaps we even have a special kind of friend, someone with whom we can share our deepest needs, someone we can talk to confidentially. We can tell them about our emotional needs or our deepest worries or our darkest fears or our health problems. And we know that they will never talk with anyone else about those things. But instead, they will pray for us. We sometimes call that person a prayer partner. Now imagine how good it would be if your prayer partner was Jesus. That would be the best prayer partner of all, wouldn't it? And yet that's exactly what he is. Jesus is your prayer partner because he, as one of us, as our greatest friend, has gone straight into heaven. And he listens to and he knows all about us, all about our needs. He prays for us directly in the presence of God the Father. He understands, according to Hebrews, our infirmities. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Romans chapter 8 and verse 34 says, It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, and who also maketh intercession for us. But you know, sometimes we let the Lord down. We're sinners. And so very often we let him down. Our sinful hearts betray us. We fail the Lord and sometimes our conscience simply burns with the shame of life. And it's at times like that when the devil comes against us, accusing us, telling us that we have no right to call ourselves Christians, that we're really just as bad as everybody else, just as lost as everyone else, or sometimes telling us that our sins are far too great to be forgiven. It's at that time that Jesus comes to our rescue, who as our advocate stands before God on our behalf and pleads the blood for us. Let's find this in Scripture. In 1 John 2 and verse 1, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. But what did I mean when a few moments ago I talked about Jesus pleading the blood? Some evangelicals can be almost superstitious about the blood of Christ shed on the cross for sinners, atoning for their sins. 
Some time ago, a group of friends of mine were going to take a meeting at a church that was a number of miles away, and they were all travelling there together by car. So before they left, one of their number paused before getting into the vehicle and suggested that they should pray for journeying mercies. And so he led them in prayer, saying, Lord, cover this car with your blood and keep us safe. Now that's nothing other than superstition, and perhaps even blasphemy. When John talks about us having an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, he's speaking about how our sins are washed away by Christ's shed blood, so that when Satan comes against us, we are assured that it is Christ's righteousness that makes us acceptable to God, not our feeble attempts to be better people. His blood avails for me. The devil cannot accuse me, for Christ has shed his blood and my sins are forgiven. But not only is Jesus our advocate in heaven, because he's ascended, he is our forerunner. The Catechist says we have our flesh in heaven as a sure pledge that he, our head, will also take us, his members, up to himself. Now that's a wonderful answer. As we've already learned at the Ascension, Jesus took our humanity, resurrected human flesh, into heaven. There is a man in the glory. And because there's a man, one of us, in heaven, with real human flesh, that's a sure guarantee to us that we too can go there as resurrected human beings with resurrected human flesh. Think about this. The Catechist talks about Jesus being our head. Right now, we are described in the Bible as being members of the body of Christ, with Christ as our head. He's the head of the body. Search the scriptures with me. Ephesians 5 and verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the saviour of the body. Colossians 1 and 18. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Colossians 2 and 19. And not holding the head from which all the body, by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. Our head says the catechist, the head of the body of which we are members is already in heaven. And in that sense, we must be in heaven too. We are, first and foremost, members of God's kingdom. Ephesians 2 and verse 4 to 6. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are, with Christ, seated in heavenly places. All that's right now, of course, but think of the future. There's a man in glory preparing a place 
preparing an eternal home for us. And we already have the title deeds to that property. It is ours. John 14 and 2. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. What a wonderful guarantee. It's a pledge given to us that because there is already one of us in glory, we will be there too. In one sense, we already are. But it also reminds us, and this is marvellous, that our eternal life ahead of us is not as some sort of disembodied soul floating around in a spiritual state. We will have human flesh and blood resurrected from the grave and dwelling in a new heaven and a new earth with Christ, our head, our saviour, our redeemer, our brother. And thirdly, not only do we have an advocate and a forerunner, but because Jesus has ascended into heaven, we have a comforter. The Catechist puts it like this, He sends us his Spirit as a counter-pledge, by whose power we seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God and not the things that are on earth. You see, when Jesus told his disciples that he would be leaving them, as we have already seen, he made them a great promise. He gave them a pledge. He promised that he would send them another comforter. The Holy Spirit is the fulfilment of that pledge. The Catechist talking about a counter-pledge. The third person of the Trinity, the comforter, the helper to each one of us who know Christ. Search the scriptures with me. John 16 and verse 7. And I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible just because of the wonderful expanded text giving us such a good idea of what the Holy Spirit does for us. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counsellor, the strengthener will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to be in close fellowship with you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need for a saviour and about righteousness and about judgment. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He convicts us of sin, convicts us of the need of a saviour and warns us about the judgment to come. And all of that is summed up by the catechist when he tells us that the Holy Spirit will turn away our hearts from the worthless trinkets of this world, the temporal, worthless, earthly pleasures. And instead, he prepares us for heaven to meet Christ. In fact, he changes our heart's desires so that we begin to hate this present world and long to be with Jesus, which Paul tells us is far better than anything here. Paul expresses this well in Colossians 3, verse 2 to 3. He says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. 
for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. So what are the benefits of the ascension of Jesus for the Christian? We have an advocate in heaven, someone who is interceding for us, who knows us intimately and who prays for us, a prayer partner. And we have a forerunner, one of us, a man, a human being with resurrected flesh, our own flesh, is in heaven, the one who is our head, and he will bring us to himself. Because he went away, he sent us our comforter, the Holy Spirit, who turns our hearts away from the things of this world and makes us long to be with Christ. So we've looked at the importance of Christ's ascension and we've seen its biblical and historical truth. We've learned about its theological basis and we have found out how it makes a difference in your life and in mine. In our next lesson, we'll move on to Lord's Day 19 and we'll see how Christ rules his kingdom from his throne. So thanks for listening to the podcast today. If you would like to help to get the podcast better known, there's a really easy way that you can do that. Go into your podcast app on your phone or your mobile device. Search for the Semper Reformata podcast. Subscribe to it. And if your podcast app allows you to, give it a five-star rating. And that will help others to find the podcast more easily. So thanks again for listening. It's been a pleasure talking to you and an absolute privilege. I am your servant for Christ's sake.